This podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Wednesday, February the 9th. And first today, it's understood a man who murdered two women in Tunbridge Wells and abused bodies in hospital mortuaries will soon be charged with further offences. 67-year-old David Fuller was jailed for life last year for killing Wendy Nell and Caroline Pierce in 1987. He also admitted other offences at hospitals in the county while working as an electrician and is thought to have more than 100 victims. Well, in December, after he was sentenced, police said they would be looking into cases of missing women, rapes and murders in the southeast. An inquiry has also been launched to find out how Fuller was able to carry out his crimes for so long. Ten men have gone on trial accused of sexually abusing a teenage girl in Folkestone and Canterbury for two years. The defendants, who were aged in their 20s and 30s, have been charged with various offences, including child abduction and rape. The crimes are said to have taken place between 2016 and 2018, and the trial at Southwark Crown Court is expected to last for several weeks. Now, one of our most read stories today is that grieving families in part of Kent have been told they will not be allowed to lay small items like teddy bears, candles or balloons on the graves of loved ones. Well, Ollie joins me now to chat about this one. Ollie, why has this decision been made? Well, there's been a long-running dispute going on with the church about items left by mourners. In fact, it's been an issue at St Peter's Church in Breadhurst for five years. There are rules in place about how burial grounds are managed, but some people wanted changes made, particularly when it came to the graves of children. And because of that, a consultation has been taking place. However, it's been found the majority of people don't want any changes to the rules. And a judge has ruled that sentimental mementos must be removed. Artificial flowers and even remembrance poppies are also banned. And that's not gone down well with everyone, has it? No, the Breadhurst Community Bereavement Forum say this consultation had the chance to build bridges, show compassion and empathy and unite a community. They go on to say they don't want graveyards looking like a fairground, but they just want some tolerance. They go as far to say the church should hang its head in shame. We've also got a poll running in the story at Kent Online today and almost three quarters of people think mourners should be able to leave mementos on graves. It has, however, divided opinion among commenters, some saying only flowers should be allowed without plastic wrapping. Others think people have the right to leave whatever they see fit. So what's the response been from the church, Ollie? Well, the church council has said the consultation responses have highlighted things they need to do better, and that includes making sure everyone is aware of the regulations, so making signs clearer. Holly, thank you ever so much. A bit of a divisive one then. You can still let us know what you think. You can vote in that poll within the story or you can comment there or via our socials. Kent Online News. A man's been left with knee injuries after a thief drove into him while taking his Range Rover from outside his home in Cliff. The vehicle was then abandoned nearby after it and a getaway car were damaged as they tried to flee the area. Well, the owner says he's been left in a very dark place mentally. Kent Police say they're continuing to look for those responsible. You can see pictures of the damaged vehicle within the story on Kent Online. An investigation's underway after a car overturned on the M2, leaving a man in his 
20s seriously injured. He was flown to a London hospital following the crash involving a silver BMW which ended up on its roof. It happened on the coastbound carriageway at Junction 3 for Chatham last night. The motorway was closed for around eight hours. As a warning, delays at Dover could increase if issues with post-Brexit checks on goods and vehicles aren't solved. A report out today by the Public Accounts Committee says leaving the EU has so far only resulted in costs and delays for businesses. Well, it's warning of continued disruption at places like the Port of Dover if the government doesn't act soon. Dame Meg Hillier is chair of the committee and says UK ports are not designed for the checks that are now required. Well, last month we had some extra checks brought in by the UK government. There'll be more in June and more in November. That's the current plan. These will include import controls for goods coming into the UK which hasn't happened before. So that could certainly increase delays. And one of the things that's often forgotten is as a result of the pandemic, we haven't seen so many passenger flows across the channel, but the EU itself will be introducing checks um, on people going through. So that will be passport checks in Dover. They're done on the Dover side and, you know, there's not much space. So this is, just imagine every vehicle going through for a family holiday, everybody's passport will have to be checked. Now, you know, there's, it's really urgent that the government's talking to the European Union about how that's handled, because you can imagine the chaos that that could cause. You've got three rowdy kids in the back of a car uh, and you've got to stop and everyone's got to have their passport validated, particularly from Dover with the short straights. You know, it's not, you know we've long been a country that travels for, to, to France for day trips, whether it's on a boost cruise or for other reasons. Um, and so this is an awful lot more checking that's now going to be taking place and it's been something I've followed for many years there's always a challenge at ports because there's not much physical space around a port they designed the roll-on roll-off ports on all sides of the UK to really be literally that you you drive on and you drive off and there's not much waiting time so as soon as you add in weights of even 30 seconds extra per vehicle uh, this could cause this is the sort of thing that causes that backlog uh, and that, those lorry queues that we saw. So there are very real risks still ahead. And the government needs to level up and be honest about this rather than just talking about the sunny uplands and being over optimistic that it's easy to solve. MPs are also worried the temporary post-Brexit arrangements could be taken advantage of by criminals. It's feared making lorries go to Ebbsfleet for physical checks after arriving in Dover increases the risk that goods could be offloaded on the way. The Kent Online Podcast. With Ballin Maidstone. A teenager who stabbed a man with a screwdriver in a shop in Margate has been locked up. Karam Virdada attacked the victim, who he knew, in front of customers at the Costcutter store last August. The 19-year-old from Dobry Walk in Plumstead has been sentenced to two and a half years in a young offenders institution. A secondary school in Medway has issued a stranger danger warning today after a girl was approached by a man. Rain and Mark Grammer say it happened yesterday as she was walking past Twiddle School on her way home. Police have been informed and you can see a description of the suspect at Kent Online. A man's been jailed for breaching an order banning him from Sheerness High Street. The 64-year-old was reported to police for antisocial behaviour and begging. He's now been sentenced to 12 weeks in prison. A teenage girl has been arrested after a group of youngsters in Canterbury were spotted throwing things at oncoming traffic. Officers were called to Vauxhall Road and ended up removing two boys from the range nearby for causing trouble. A 16-year-old was later arrested on suspicion of breaching her bail conditions. Meanwhile, a dispersal order is in force until 7 this evening. 
Now, the government's being urged to put more funding into cleaning up Kent's rivers. It's feared visible litter as well as pollutants we can't see are becoming increasingly worse in our waterways. A report by MPs last month found only 14% of rivers in England have good ecological status. And there's a warning that quality here is the worst in Europe. Well, Ian Chittenden is a councillor in Maidstone and Stuart Jeffrey is a green campaigner for the town. They've both been talking about it on The Lowdown. We do walks regularly along the land and other rivers and we pick up lots of litter and I'm afraid a lot of that droppage is down to people as much as anything but a lot of it will also end up in the river as plastic waste or paper waste or other form of waste and just joins the other problems we've got on the rivers. The government has got to do a lot more it's got to also help to provide finance and do the encouragement to do a better job in making sure that uh, Pollutants don't get into the river, and that's their job, in my opinion. The River Medway's got this huge catchment area, and the figures are out there um, in terms of how much pollution uh, and raw sewage is actually pumped into it constantly. Um, And and I I worked out something like 42,000 hours of raw sewage pumped into it the other year. I mean, that's a phenomenal amount. The Environment Agency say it's working with partners for all rivers in Kent to improve them. You can also watch our latest episode of The Lowdown when it's on our Facebook Live tonight from six. Kent Online reports. Bosses in Medway are preparing a compulsory purchase of the former Debenham store in Chatham. Councillors have agreed to pursue the order to buy it in case negotiations break down. The authority wants to use part of a £9.5 million government grant to set up a residential scheme in the building, which has been empty since January 2020. It looks like hundreds of homes will be built on land in Medway, despite residents and local bosses being against it. The council refused the bid for up to 800 homes in East Hill next to Capstan Farm Country Park amid concerns about the impact on the countryside but an appeal by developers has been accepted by the planning inspectorate. It's been revealed more than 165,000 households in Kent won't qualify for a council tax discount to help cushion the blow of rising energy costs. Last week the Chancellor announced the £150 cut for those in properties in bands A to D while those in bands E to H will be able to get a two £200 loan. It comes in the week. Bosses at the County Council will vote on how much our council tax will be going up by in April, with the bill expected to rise 3% to just over £1,400 for the average home. An app designed to reduce the amount of food that gets thrown away is going to be trialled in Kent. Food Loop will match food producers with organisations and charities that give surplus stock to families that need it. Now, it's thought as much as 6.4 million tonnes of edible food is thrown away in the UK every year. That's the equivalent of 15 billion meals. Flora Hooter is the chief executive of Producing Kent, who came up with the idea for the app. She's been chatting about it to Phil from our colleagues at KMTV. We spent the last eight months uh, trying to get the funds together for uh, the app, and that is the development of the app and then the testing of the app, which will take place over the next year. So we will spend two months now building the community that's going to use the app. So we're going to... Um, Send out a lot of emails to our network. Uh, and then from April onwards, the app is live. And then we will test the app and the workings of the app with that community for another 10 months. Um, just briefly, tell us how the app works. How, how do people actually interact with this app? Foodloop is a, a business-to-business app which connects suppliers of surplus food and food waste with takers of surplus food and food waste. So suppliers can be businesses and takers can be other businesses, but they can also be charities or community initiatives. 
So the app works as a connectivity tool, really. Both sides take, make an account on the app, um, and then suppliers of surplus food can post an, a, a, a food offer on the app, um, say a, a crate of apples, just to, um, to, to, to simplify it. And then anyone on the taking side that has indicated that they are needing apples or are after apples will get a notification on their mobile phone and they can then get in touch with the supplier and offline they can agree an exchange. And that can be a donation or a sale that is up to the parties involved. That's neither here nor there for us. We're just there to connect them. Just finally, it's 2022. Do you think there's not enough of a drive towards tackling food waste even now? Uh, I think a lot more can be done. I think a lot more can be done. Um, RAP is an organization that uh, collects statistics on food waste, and um, it's quite staggering, the amount of food waste uh, in the UK alone, let alone uh, globally. Uh, and I think there's a lot more that can be done to, to prevent food waste and to prevent surplus food. So uh, producing differently, uh, using food differently, that, that, that accounts both for, for consumers, but also for businesses. But also, it can a lot, a lot can be done about dealing with the surplus foods that you have more sensibly. Kent Online reports. At Kent Online, you can see pictures of a stunning 17th century manor house in Ashford that's been turned into a boutique hotel. Boys Hall in Willsborough has been restored by new owners over the past two years. The 10-bedroom hotel and restaurant are due to open in the summer. A Dartford schoolgirl who raised money for the NHS during lockdown is now hoping to get enough cash together so she can head to America for a World Championships. Bonnie Lou Furser has been selected to compete for England in karate in Florida later this year. With the 11-year-old who goes to Wilmington Academy has been training at North Kent Martial Arts Club since she was six. She's been chatting to our reporter, Sean. I got in because my mum said that she wanted me and my brother to learn about self-defence because when she was younger, she used to get bullied and she didn't want that happening to us. So the first lesson in our class is free. So we went to go try it out and I really liked it. And so I stayed in it and then like just never really just fell in love with it really. Just didn't stop going. What's your favourite part about it? What do you like most? Is there a particular move? Do you prefer karate? What do you like best? Um, I like to do fighting in like fighting. So like it's called Kumite. It's uh yeah, I mostly get all my medals and trophies in that. It's like really fun to do. Do you like the, com- the the competitive element of it? Do you like doing the competitions and trying to beat other people? Yeah, it's fun. And I understand that your little sister's getting into it now and your brother had done it a little bit as well. Do you ever fight boys there or do you, is it just of the other girls or do you fight everyone and anyone? Yeah, so our sensei, our coach, he um, makes us fight boys and girls, but in competitions, you're only allowed to fight your own gender. So boys fight against boys and girls fight against girls. Well done on, on getting selected for England and trying to raise a bit of money at the moment to get to Miami. What would it mean to you to go? Have you ever been to Miami before? Have you been to America? No, not yet. I'm very excited. I've wanted to go abroad in like ages. I've never been abroad in my life, basically. So it'll be fun to go and I'll be very nervous, obviously, because it'll be my first world champion competition. And your you mentioned your sensei is your like that's your like coach right they all yeah. teacher coach has he given you any sort of advice and tips in terms of like how you you know prepare yourself for a tournament like that? Uh, well, he just says to like do it how you do it in any other competitions, and he thinks I'd be able to m- maybe medal in the 
World Championships. So he just said, do what you normally do in other competitions and you'll get there. The Green Belt needs to raise £2,500 to be able to go. Do search for her story on Kent Online. We've got a link there to be able to donate. And we wish Bonnie Lou all the very best in the championships. And two Kent landmarks have been named on a list of must-see British locations. The White Cliffs of Dover is second best on a survey of 1,500 adults. Stonehenge was number one and Canterbury Cathedral is 15th. Kent Online Sport. Football and the Great Escape could well be on for Gillingham. Verdane Oliver got the only goal of the game as they beat Cambridge United 1-0 at Priestfield last night. The Jills have only won five games all season, but two of them are under new manager Neil Harris, who's only been at the club just over a week. It means they're now five points from safety in League One, and the manager spoke to us after the final whistle. It was bitty, wasn't it? I thought pitch was awkward, conditions weren't great as we find quite often here, especially in the evening game at the Priestfield. I thought two very competitive sides um, in the sense of uh, we were okay for 25 minutes for the better team. Some good passages of play, passing the ball, and then they really grew into the game and then they showed some qualities that have got them, got them through to the fourth round the FA Cup and, and also some really big scouts in this division this year. And, and I just felt at half-time we need to tinker the shape. Um, but we go with personnel because the lads have been brilliant for me, but we, we certainly lack attacking players at the moment, availability-wise. Um, and I thought half-time we made the tactical adjustment. Again, credit goes to the players for delivering it. Um, very fortunate to have real quality and experience in the midfield three players out there. And, and they delivered the game plan. And um, set play we worked on in training um, um, before Ipswich and didn't get a corner from that side, thankfully. Um, and, and, and it worked tonight. And, and sometimes uh, at this level and, and the level above, they're the fine margins. You know, a set play, a, a 35-yard, an own goal or something. And when we had the digging, we did. Again, credit for the players again for that and, and obviously the goal I'm really pleased for, for Dane. Working with him and Tom and Charlie um, and, 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 and even Mustafa and uh, Lloyd when Lloyd was playing up top, you know, we, we have to be a threat. We have to be more of a threat in the final third than we've been in the first three games. Um, but again, we've got four, seven, ten or elevens all unavailable due to injury. Um, it makes it difficult for us to be creative in the final third. And if you can't be creative, then you have to certainly have a clean sheet mentality. And the group's got that. Gillingham travel to fellow strugglers Morecambe in what's bound to be another must-win this weekend. It's also been confirmed that midfielder Danny Lloyd will be out for the rest of the season. He was stretched off during their defeat to Ipswich Town last Saturday and it's been confirmed he suffered knee ligament damage. Big loss for the Jules and we do wish Danny all the very best and a speedy recovery. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also get access to the ad-free Kent Online Premium site by subscribing just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe news you can trust this is the kent online podcast this podcast is sponsored by ball in maidstone your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with american pool table tennis beer pong live sports delicious food and bottomless brunches